Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Gino Church, we focused on how to build our communities digitally. Today, we're going to talk about word of mouth marketing and how we can get our customers to talk about our brands. Let's go back to the basics for a minute. Um, would you just explain to us what is word of mouth marketing and why is it so important for, for businesses? I think one of the easiest ways to think about it is an advocacy program. And it's, and so you could think about a word of mouth marketing program, which I'll just, well, let me, let me start over and go from the very beginning. Word of mouth is the authentic, natural way that you and I might talk about something and I recommend it to you. Like next trip you do, you go to Disney, you should stay at Saratoga Springs or you should eat at Yak and Yeti at Animal Kingdom. That's an honest recommendation of a place, places that I've been that I thought were really good. That's word of mouth. Yep. Word of mouth marketing is some form of amplification of that. And social media is a discipline, in my opinion, of word of mouth marketing. But I think where to, a first a place to start is to think about advocacy and advocacy programs. And so the heart of that is, can we find customers that will go out and advocate for us, our university, our product, our whatever it may be? I, my definition of an advocacy program is, is to build a program where you have real people that are living messengers that believe in something so much so that they carry that through their life. And it becomes important to them. Your success is their success. Um, they gain from being a part of it. They gain um, expertise, knowledge, and experience, a memory. Um, maybe it's, you know, cred. You know, it could be that. But so it, it starts there. What we know, Nathan, is that there are three scientific motivational triggers for word of mouth. And mm -hmm. I, I told you a little bit about those, and it's in the passion conversation. Yeah, talk us through those three. What are those three? So the, the first one is functional. And it would be like me talking to you. I had this conversation a lot with my Mini Cooper because people said, God, that car is so small. Is it safe? And I'd say, well, I got rear-ended by a woman doing 45 and it saved my life. It's built like a tank. The engine dropped. It completely crumpled the rear end. But with all this safety technology and airbags, I was completely safe. That is a functional conversation. So we had these functional conversations all the time to help us interpret the world and make a decision. It could be for you and your daughter where to, you're, you might be looking at a high school and it's what is the right high school? What is the neighborhood that maybe we should move to to go to that high school? There's all these decisions that we make like buying tires, going on vacation, picking a restaurant that are all functional for me. The biggest thing on that is I, I was diagnosed a diabetic five years ago and I had a lot of functional and emotional conversations with people to understand what in the world is going on and how do I survive this? So that's functional. The other side is emotional and that is the things that we love or hate, the things that make us laugh or make us cry are the things that we talk about. When you think about customer service, when it's okay, when it's the minimum bar, we don't tell anyone about it. It has to be exceptional or it has to be terrible. 
and we tell people about it. So this emotional motivational trigger, you know, connects to our emotion. But the interesting thing about it with research, what it tells us is that we have more emotional conversations in what is called private situations, which means face-to-face or over the phone or through Zoom. So it's kind of a continuous conversation because the other trigger is social. And it's how we socially signal the things that we're into, our uniqueness, our expertise, the school that we went to, the car that we drive, um, the shoes that we wear, it might be the woman's Louis Vuitton bag. Um, it, 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 those are social signals. It might be that Nathan always walks around with a Starbucks cup. That is a social signal that you're giving to the world that this is what you're into. That social signal um, is more in a public setting. We use that social signal, like in social media, to signal that to a lot of people. And it becomes somewhat discontinuous compared to the continuous conversations that we have related to emotional conversations, which is, I find really fascinating. So if we have a clear understanding of those three motivational triggers, it really can help us to think about how do we message, what type of experiences we should maybe create, and um, are they digital, are they face-to-face? So I, that might have given you a bunch of questions to ask, but that's the basic roots of, of word of mouth marketing from the, the motivational triggers. How do we spark word of mouth marketing for a company? Well, I think, you know, I think one of the, the, the first things to do is to look in and look and see is where do you meet people face to face? And is there an opportunity there to create that moment, uh, an experience that, that sparks something emotionally in them that is worthy of them talking about. One of the, the, the things that we as humans share the most about is an experience that we have, right? It's, it's going to Disney, it's seeing a new movie, it's yeah. um, riding those sand dunes. You're, you know, might've been scared, scared to hell, but you're gonna tell somebody about it. And so, you know, part of that to spark word of mouth is our, our goal simply is to get people to talk about us and to recommend us to recommend our product or service, or to even go bigger, buy it. It's, it's like if I bought something and I, I would say like, Nathan, this book is so amazing. I'm going to buy it for you and send it to you. That is the holy grail of word of mouth. So part of this is you're going to have to do some digging and understanding uh, around you know, exploring what are the emotional conversations around your brand, what are the functional? Let's understand how do you use our product? Do you ever tell other people about it? Can you tell me a functional conversation where you recommended our product? Oh, you never have. Well, why do you think you have it? We need to have those conversations. Then we need to mine socially. Um, how are people showing how they use our product in their on their Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok, as well as we need to probably go out and see where they're using the product and how they're living with it in the real world. And I think that's more critical because 90% of word of mouth that leads to a recommendation purchase still happens offline. That is still true today. 
That's from Engagement Labs and Ed Keller. So digital, it's always stayed at about 10% for digital word of mouth leads to that purchase. But still the holy grail is offline, face-to-face word of mouth, someone that we know or someone that we can see because we trust them. So going back to that, and I haven't used that word yet, is the biggest thing for brands and organizations is trust and and getting people to trust them and then kind of finding a way you you should create processes and programs, but you also too need to let people have their own voice and trust them because that own, that their, their own voice is what people are going to trust to make a purchase or, or you know, buying decision. Can you share with me the story of heroes from, from your book? So my, my background, right out of college, uh, I, I mentioned I worked on President Clinton's drug control policy program. And I've, I've done a lot of work in addiction and recovery. And it was, so it was really easy for me to come into that project and not get called up into some of the ways that people think about um, addiction and recovery. And so the interesting thing about Heroes in Recovery, it was a little bit of a tough sell as an identity for a community because it's not about the addict being a hero. The, The whole idea for Heroes in Recovery was based on that it's everyone. It's the mother, the father, the brother, the sister, the spouse, the friend, the the minister, a coworker, that we're all heroes in recovery to support an addict. And the idea with it was that I got to sit with their call intake people late at night and I was stunned, Nathan, at how many people call not nine to five needing help. They call it midnight. They call it one in the morning. And we hoped that we could build a beacon for people that they could find in their time of need. And that we would get addicts and people that walk with addicts to step out of the dark of usually like anonymous groups don't share publicly what they'd been through in their journey. But we felt like it was critical for people to, that were comfortable to step forward and share their journey of a loved one of themselves on their, um, and that's where Heroes in Recovery came from. It also stimulated, there was a really cool thing that we did that the organization used. I'm not sure if they still do or not because it was bought and changed hands. um, we were at a facility and we can't, we couldn't go into the room when there actually were patients there, but we got to go in and there was a window ledge and this person had all these trinkets. And I asked one of the staff members, what is that for? And they said, well, that's, that's how they get by every day. Those are trinkets that um, help them get by because an addict, and I don't know how much you know, is every day is day one all over again. Every day you get up and you have to make the decision to stay sober or you could fall back back right where you were. And these little things help people, you know, fight, feel the resolve, have the courage and the confidence and the support to keep stepping forward. 
so we built a box that looked like a book and it was called, and we, we gave it to every person that left one of their facilities. And then they started using it for training. And it was a, a, a it looked like a book, but you open it up and it was wide open. And the goal was for you to put the things in there that tell your story, that, 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 that get you through the day. And what is so funny that what turned in, what, what was supposed to be a, a passage to the next step of your journey for people leaving um, Foundations Recovery Networks, one of their facilities, end up being a cultural mechanism for them to share and build community inside of the organization. And, and you know, that, that comes back to, to really what I see as word of mouth and community. It's creating an experience that gets people to talk, share their story, and we, 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 we break, we have empathy together. It helps us. And I think that's the other benefit of this. It helps brands and organizations have empathy for the people that they serve and kind of see them in a different way as human beings and not just as, a, you know, as money on a ledger sheet. Yeah. Hope that answers. I don't know about the heroes thing, but it's a special community in my heart. Um, it was a, um, it, it's, it's a, it was a beautiful um, community and it, and uh, the, the people that were leading that were are, are beautiful souls. Can you tell me the story of the fitness rebellion? <laughs> um, that was interesting. So I don't know if you know much about Anytime Fitness. The two, I can't remember their names now. The two owners were on that um, secret millionaire show where they pretended to not be. That was about the time that. Undercover that, boss. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was about the time that they, they reached out to us about launching this. They, they wanted to fight um, the, the problem that the majority of gym memberships, people join it and then they never come back and they keep their gym membership. They pay it and maybe a year or two later, they'll cancel it. But that was just unacceptable to them. So they challenged us with, let's find a different way to go about this. And one of the co-owners wrote this book um, about kind of getting off the hamster cage of, of fitness and gyms, that we've got to rethink this in a different way. So we, we traveled around the United States, talked to a lot of trainers, and we came up with this concept called the Fitness Rebellion. And, and, and it really was for people that didn't think fitness was for them. And we find a way to work with the gyms and the gyms with trainers where they almost had these like fitness rebel rooms. And it was getting people that getting them back in the gym. And they even had a woman one time that had, had never been on a treadmill, but she got so dedicated to this. She told us the story that she went to work and she, it was her day to get on the treadmill and she realized she'd forgotten her gym shoes. And she said, you know what? I did the treadmill in my heels and, <laughs> and that's what, that's, that's what the fitness rebellion was about. And, and, and it, it worked really well. It didn't, it didn't see a long tenure because they had a change in marketing and, you know, they, they, they changed a little bit of what their direction was with direct mail and some other things. And some of the aspects of the fitness rebellion are still alive. There's still trainers that are using it. So that's what it was about. 
Thank you so much, Gino, for sharing your thoughts and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, word of mouth marketing is the authentic, natural way we give recommendations to people around us. Number two, word of mouth marketing builds trust around our brands and in turn helps us gain customers. Number three, to spark word of mouth, we can create experiences related to any of the three motivational trigger conversations, functional, emotional, and social. Number four, above all else, word of mouth marketing comes down to creating an experience for our customers that is worthy of sharing. And number five, by building a community and creating experiences for our customers, they will be more likely to recommend us. You can learn more about Gino or connect with him on LinkedIn, his website, brainsonfire.com, or through his podcast or books. And you can find links to each of those in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free copy of my ebook about passion marketing and learn how to be a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your word of mouth marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.